0: Is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Graylin James over Zoom video. Graylin was born and raised in Knoxville, Tennessee, and talks about how he got into music. He got a guitar at age five, a plastic guitar he got from his grandfather. He said he played it until his fingers were bleeding at seven. He got uh, more of a professional guitar. I guess the first one he had was a toy guitar. Uh, So he got a little bit better guitar when he was seven and started to take lessons. From a very, very early age, Graylin knew he wanted to be a country music star. So he talks about that. Uh, He ended up meeting Kenny Chesney at a very early age as well. And years later, kind of full circle, wrote a song for Kenny Chesney. But we hear about the first bands Graylin was in. His experience on The Voice, moving to Nashville, getting that first publishing deal, finally getting some cuts from bigger artists, obviously Kenny Chesney, and all about his career as a solo artist and the new music that he's been putting out, um, with the most recent one being called Undermined. You can watch our interview with Graylin on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be amazing if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review.
1: We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: We're bringing it backwards with Grayland James. Awesome, dude. Well, uh, I'm Adam, and this is about you and your journey in music, and uh, we'll talk about the new music you have coming out as well.
2: Awesome, dude. Let's go.
0: Awesome. So, uh, born and raised, are you from? You're from Tennessee, correct?
2: I'm from Tennessee. I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, All East Tennessee man, and uh, proud to be from there.
0: Yeah, dude. I'm. I recently moved to Nashville area uh, a couple years ago from. I Let's was one of, you. I was one of the many, uh, apparently Californians that have moved here. <laughs> Let's go. You're one of them. <laughs> yeah. I, it was crazy that when we moved here, uh, I, we had no idea that that was like the case. And yeah. we came in like February, officially in February 21. And like, everyone's like, Oh my, you're like the blah, blah, blah person from California. I've met. I was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> really? <laughs> Random. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude. So, okay. So grew up in Knoxville. What was that like?
2: Oh, bro! It was uh, it was the best place to grow up, and uh, obviously, I'm biased, but I think uh, you know, especially growing up wanting to do country music and loving country music, you know, we we've got Dolly Parton that's from here, and Kenny Chesney, and Morgan Wallen, and Kelsey Ballerini, and Chet Atkins, and the list goes on and on. And it, it just was it's was such a realistic place for me to to have that dream because uh, so many people had known somebody that had made it to Nashville and uh made a career for themselves and uh in the thing that i wanted to do so i i couldn't have been more blessed because i think if i would have grown up anywhere else it would have seemed like a pipe dream but to me it was it was realistic and it was something that uh i felt like i could achieve since i was a little kid
0: yeah i did read that you said at like five you wanted to do this
2: oh absolutely yeah i remember i got a uh i tell this story a lot i got my my first guitar when i was five and it was a toy guitar for christmas that my papa bought me and uh it even though it was a toy guitar probably cost my my grandfather like 30 bucks it, it it didn't seem like a toy it was it was something that just lit me up and i was like that's my that's my device that's my that's my boat to wherever i'm going to be going and um and i was right man I, that's one of the first memories i have uh in my life and uh it's a good one and uh it really got me where i am
0: yeah with uh that toy guitar how long did you play that before you got maybe oh gosh I played it. That-
2: that that week, uh, that Christmas week between Christmas and New Year's, I, I, I historically my family played it till uh, my fingers literally bled, and one of my brother's bunk beds, and they had to had to take it from me. But um, I probably had that for a couple of years until I actually started taking guitar lessons, and uh, I got a, a nicer, really bad guitar. But uh, <laughs> it, uh, it, it was definitely the first thing my parents still have it down in uh, the basement, and so uh, oh, yeah, that's definitely. awesome.
0: So, um, with the, uh, with that, with that toy guitar, you, you know, you got that from your papa, but was that something that you, like, was anyone else musical in your family? Did he play guitar or did your parents do anything with music or?
2: Yeah. My, my grandfather definitely, he kind of thumbed around on it, um, on the front porch on Sundays, but, um, not really the, uh, I, I say this as a joke, but it's also a, a very serious fact. My dad was an Elvis impersonator. Um, that's awesome. With, with his buddies in high school, but uh, it uh, and I have the video proof for anybody that wants to know. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that's the closest thing, to actual performing talent that we had in my family. But, um, you know, again, like everybody, we, we'd heard the stories about uh, all the, the country artists that had been from Knoxville. My parents knew a lot of their families. And um, so, you know, as soon as I started really showing interest in it, even to them, it never was like, "Oh, he's he's off the he's off his rocker." He's just a little kid, and they they took it just as serious as I did. So uh, I, w- I was blessed to have a family that, even though they didn't grow up doing music themselves uh, per se, but they they definitely believed in me and uh, couldn't have done it without him.
0: That's amazing. Uh, did your dad do the the Elvis impersonation thing just in high school, or is that something he would like do when you were older? Like, oh, I'm gonna just be it's an Elvis impersonator at like a wedding or something.
2: Yeah. It's funny. I think Nicole Galleon wrote a song. She's a big songwriter in Nashville, but um, she wrote a song called Weddings and Funerals. And uh, you know, it, it, my dad—that's what he he did with his buddies because it was like ten years after they graduated from high school, um, they started realizing that they only saw each other at weddings and funerals, and uh, they were like, "We gotta, we gotta start hanging out, doing stuff besides this." and uh, they got together and I guess got a little uh, too much drinks in them and started impersonating people one night. And they were like, we should do this like more often. And uh, so they just would have a party, rented a clubhouse and they would just have people from uh, the little small town from North Knoxville uh, come over and they would dress as their favorite dead old rock and roll star or country star. And uh, they would just have some drinks, have fun. And it blew up and it became a thing that a lot of people in the Knoxville area knew about and would come to. And they did it for like six or seven years, but, uh, uh, they, they retired, unfortunately, when I was born. So,
0: Uh, okay, you you never got to witness it firsthand. You just have the the footage.
2: I just got the footage, which is, uh, I think enough.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, so you started taking guitar lessons, what, like you said a couple of years after you had got that first guitar.
2: Yep. Yep. I did. And, uh, yeah, I took it from a really good guy named Chris Bane, and uh, even then, I was like, I I didn't want to just learn G chords. I wanted to do guitar solos and all that. So uh, I made it. I made it tough my guitar teacher.
0: Oh, okay. So you didn't want to just use it to write songs. You wanted to learn how to really shred on guitar. I,
2: oh, I wanted to do the thing. Yeah, I wanted to. I, I fell in love with like Brad Paisley and Keith Urban uh, okay. right around that same time. And uh, I remember my guitar teacher was trying to take it slow with me. I was like, No, dude, let's speed this process up. Like. <laughs> nobody nobody got girls just knowing how to play g chord dude i want to i want to do the whole thing and um and he was with me man and he he started kind of advancing the process and uh i i'm thankful for him but i'm also thankful for brad paisley and keith because they uh they definitely got me got me into doing the solos thing and uh yeah i love doing that
0: yeah with um you know with those lessons and everything did you end up starting a band or were you when did you start writing songs
2: um, you know, I, I wrote my first song yeah, soon after I, I started taking guitar lessons, and um, and it was mostly just about my first song that I'd really written was about when my grandmother passed away, and uh, so I wrote that song, and then uh, then it became more, you know, laughable songs, songs about girlfriends and girls I had crushes on uh, in middle school. and um, But yeah, you know, even from when I was nine, before I was playing guitar uh, myself, I had just a group of local musicians that we would tour all the tomato festivals and every kind of fruit festival in the area. Uh, and any restaurant patios, we would, we would play them. And anybody that would let a nine year old kid, uh, up there to sing Kenny Chesney and George Strait covers. And I did it. And my parents would haul me up and, uh, my brother played baseball and I played shows and, uh, it was that way till I was 16 or 17 and became a little bit more serious. And, uh, yeah, so I, that was my childhood was, yeah, doing that. Wow,
0: so your parents were driving, you're that young and you're you're playing all these different shows.
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah,
0: absolutely. Oh my gosh, wow. And then you said 16 is when what you started to take it more seriously as far as like you were trying to move to Nashville or like what was the, the step? Oh, absolutely, I was
2: definitely, my entire family to move to nashville uh around like 15 16 and uh then we got a call from some producers at the voice uh the tv show and um Mm -hmm. and so i went to la and uh tried out for the voice and did that for a for like a month and then um that's when it became more serious came back home and um and then i just started really touring getting people reaching out and um it just became a lot more a lot more serious, and it, it felt like a thing that I, you know, if I was going to take the next step, I needed to move to Nashville. And so um, I got a call from a lady named Leslie DePiro who's the wife of a Hall of Fame songwriter, Bob Depiro, And they had a publishing company in Nashville, and they'd heard a couple songs of mine on YouTube. And they called me and brought me down to Nashville, and that was my first time really having an actual meeting. And I signed a publishing deal with them, and that was kind of the stepping stone to get me in Nashville and songwriting and uh, the whole thing that got me here
0: Wow uh, real quick on the the voice thing did they find you online or something did they find like a YouTube video of you
2: yeah I guess they found me online and I got a call from like one of the casting and producing people uh, when I was on my school bus coming home from school oh, wow. uh, it around, yeah it was like 230 or three o'clock in the afternoon on a, like a Tuesday and um, I remember telling them the bus like shh, 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 and uh, that was crazy. I was like, I think I need to tell my parents about this, but I think I'm in. Um, and so, yeah, they they'd seen a couple of videos on YouTube, and they uh, they liked what I did uh, enough to you know want me on the show for uh, episode or two, I guess. And uh, but it, it was a great experience, and um, yeah, kind of made me realize how big of an industry the whole thing that I wanted to get into was.
0: Yeah, wow, that's wild to be on the school bus. you like, hey, everybody, like that was the voice. They're like, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, rich dude (laughs) (laughs) oh wow okay so then you you obviously you move back and then you get this call you move to nashville you get the publishing deal and then are you just writing with with others or for others at that point because i know there's kind of a different thing there at the publishing deal right like sometimes you're not allowed to really pursue a artist career they don't really want you to or you can kind of do both like what was your uh situation
2: absolutely you know for me it was uh one of those things where I I thought that that publishing deal was a glorified record deal, or the the first thing before I I signed the record deal, which was not the case. I thought I was going to move to Nashville, be a big star in like two months, and um you know it was a wake up call for me. I I'd never I'd only written songs by myself in my my bedroom at my parents' house, and so uh you know when I got to Nashville and I I had somebody booking my calendar like a publisher in Nashville does. They were just booking me rights with random people that I'd never known. And of course they weren't really known either. They were new at the scene. And, um, and I just, it was, it was a shock, you know, I felt like a fish out of water. And, um, it just, it was, it was a tough like year, year and a half, two years. And I actually, I lost that first publishing deal. They, they dropped me because my songs were terrible. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and I just, I just really wasn't taking it seriously because I really didn't know what was happening. And, um, you know, but it was a blessing in disguise because I realized, you know, if I wanted to keep doing this, I needed to figure out how to write good songs. And, um, because my songs weren't good. And I was playing them live and, um, they just weren't good. And, uh, and so for me, you know, that, that six months of not having a a publishing deal and not being paid to write songs and not playing shows anymore. And I I wasn't a little kid anymore. that just got booked for being a cute little kid. I was, I was growing up, but it was like my college experience and I just started studying like crazy, um, at my house and, uh, just listening to songs, reading lyrics that, uh, that were on the radio and just figuring out how to dissect a song and, um, uh, know what it takes to, to write a great song and hopefully one day perform those. And, um, without that, I wouldn't be here and, uh, mm-hmm. I would be talking about the hopefully good songs that I've written now, um, without that that first publishing deal and without losing it
1: this episode is brought to you by Dragon Ball Legends the ultimate Dragon Ball experience on your mobile device Dragon Ball Legends features action-packed anime action RPG gameplay with Goku, Vegeta, Trunks and all your favorite Dragon Ball characters summon your favorite characters from popular Dragon Ball anime series such as Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball GT to Dragon Ball Super. Fight in real-time against friendly or rival Dragon Ball players from across the globe in live PvP battles. Enter ratings matches with your favorite Dragon Ball characters and earn rating points and rewards. Unite with friends to defeat powerful foes in co-op. Dragon Ball Legends features the best anime fighting scenes on your mobile device. And now, Legends Festival is on! So you can get up to 300 free summon tickets. Are you ready? Download Dragon Ball Legends today. Available for free on both iOS and Android devices.
0: Yeah, I mean, to continue and really like hunker down and be like, okay, uh, I'm going to study these songs. I'm going to really work at this instead of you could have went the other way, right? Like been crushed and obviously I'm sure it was still crushing, but like, okay, well, this isn't it. This isn't my thing. I'm going to do something else. Was it I mean, humbling, obviously, but difficult to get back in, in writing. And like, what was it like once you had some songs that, you know, you thought were better and what do you do from that point? Just go out and start playing them around town?
2: Well, absolutely. I think uh, the turning point for me was um, it was during that that six months or so where, uh, yeah, like I said, I didn't I didn't have anybody listening to my songs. It was up to me to decide what was good and what was not. I was trying to get meetings and trying to pick meetings with other publishers and trying to get linked up with better songwriters and my songs had to be better. They had to be good. And, um, and so I just, I'll never forget. Like there's one day in particular that it just clicked. And, uh, you know, I told the old dominion guys that it was, it was one of their, their records. I think it was happy endings that um, I listened to and I read the lyrics and I just, I got it. I got what um, I perceived as what a good song was. And um, I still, feel that feeling now when I write songs. Um, it was just, a, it was just a thing that I can't really explain, but it, uh, I never looked back from that day. And, um, a couple months later, I, I got a call from somebody at Sony and, um, they offered me a publishing deal. And then, uh, all of a sudden, like, people started hearing the songs that I was writing by myself and, um, during that time. And, I got offered like nine ten different publishing deals simultaneously after, after Sony did. And, um, it was just, it was crazy. I was riding with better songwriters and, uh, people were listening to me and, um, it was crazy. And just work got out around town. And it was, uh, it was a pretty insane, uh, experience in a few weeks. And I got a lawyer and all this stuff and, uh, (laughs) it it was just wild. And then, you know, I signed at, uh, at universal publishing inevitably. And, um, I remember just pulling in and being in the kitchen uh, at at universal in Nashville and just looking around and every guy that was standing in the kitchen had like 15 number ones. And uh, yeah, I'm just like, all right, you know, this is, this is the major leagues. And, uh, but I felt ready to compete. And uh, it was just, it was a complete 180 from the the eight months prior where I was down, but uh, it just, it, I tell all young writers all the time that being told no is the most important thing for you hear a Yes. I would much rather hear a no before. A yes, because uh, I can learn something from a no and, uh, and I can critique myself. So I was blessed, man. That was a, uh, that was a really important time in my life.
0: Yeah. And then you ended up having number ones and, and writing yeah. for, I, I did read in your bio, you know, you had like an experience with uh, Kenny Chesney when you were young and then you ended up writing yeah. a song for him or with him. I mean, talk about like yeah. a full circle moment that must have been so wild.
2: Oh, it was crazy. Well, again, you know, that was uh like the first year of being signed to Universal, you know. I, I had a couple cuts that came through which I, I never thought that I would write songs for the people. I was just trying to write good songs and mm-hmm. uh just, just I was just trying to get people to like my songs on Music Row. I, I I never even thought about getting on a record. It just didn't seem like real to me. That didn't seem like a real thing, but uh Chris Jansen took a chance and recorded a few of my songs, uh, in like the first two months of my publishing deal at universal. And, uh, but then I started really realizing I can, I can write songs for other guys and uh, other artists and uh, on the radio. And, um, I just started trying to write songs. Like I thought other artists needed to record. And so Kenny Chesney was one of them. He had been, a like you said, he'd been a dream of mine since I was a kid, you know, being from Knoxville, Tennessee, him being from Knoxville, uh, but that, that one felt more like a pipe dream. But, you know, I heard that he was going in the studio and, uh, and I was just like, well, let's had a bunch of songs that sound like Kenny Chesney songs. And I had a really good idea of what a Kenny Chesney song sounded like, because that's who I grew up listening to. So we wrote that song, Happy Does, me and a couple buddies that also had no hits and uh, not really that many cuts. And we just thought it's a cool song. Sounds like Kenny. Hopefully it puts us on Kenny's radar. Um, and then before we knew it, Kenny was calling us saying that he wanted to record the song. And it, uh, it was insane. And I, I I remember thinking, like, I'm never going to have to buy another beer again in Knoxville. It was just such <laughs> yeah. a big building. And uh, it did, man. It changed my life. It was my my first time hearing a, or having a song that really made my family proud, my friends proud, my hometown proud. And um, it felt like the, you know, getting verified on Instagram, it felt like real. And uh, it felt like everybody else saw it as I'm doing it. And to myself, it's like, I'm doing it. And, um, I just, that, that song I'll, I'll be forever grateful for.
0: Yeah. I mean, wow. To, to, you know, like I said, it was like what a full circle thing to meet him as a kid and, uh, later write a song that he, he, yeah. he records. I mean, so that's wild. And then when you get that cut with him, um, did that must open the doors to bigger and, and I mean, at that point are more people are like, Hey, Oh, you know, let, I want to, you know, get in, in a room with you because yeah. obviously you've got something going on there.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Having that, sorry to say my, my phone messed up. Sorry. Um, no, yeah, no. you know, it was, it was definitely like, um, my introduction pretty much to Nashville, my, my reintroduction, I guess. And, uh, it definitely made people kind of look at me like, Oh, like, what is this guy doing? And people definitely started listening to my songs with a more, uh, receptive ear um yeah it it definitely did you know and i I started writing with the artists that i was trying to write songs for instead of just hoping that they will somehow hear the song and hopefully we get to them at the right time i was actually getting to to write with people and that that summer that uh that kenny song went to radio and was on the radio i um i got the chance to write with cole swindell and you know cole's become like a really really close friend ever since then, and you know, Jordan Davis was another somebody that uh, I got to write songs with that summer because of that song. You know, it, it just got my foot in the door with other camps around town because, well, again, it was like validation. And um, it definitely showed that I had something to offer uh, along with the other great writers in Nashville.
0: Yeah. Wow. And so at what point do you decide or were you always kind of writing songs for yourself? Like when do you, you know, shift to more of the artist thing?
2: Yeah, you know, actually, uh, speaking of Coles Wendell, you know, that summer, um, we wrote probably shit, 40 songs together. And, yeah. uh, we were just writing every other day. And mind you, this was also COVID, you know, so like not, people aren't really, uh, doing anything. So all we did was just write songs, um, in a house and, and we got close. And, uh, one day he just was like, man, I don't want to sing this song. Like, I love this song, but like, I love how you're singing it, bro. Like, what if you got on the mic and what if we tried this as a Grayland song? And I was like, I, I forgot why I'd moved to Nashville. I forgot that that was like why I wanted to do this. And, uh, I'll never forget the feeling that I felt when he said that it was like the first time somebody around me had said like, what about you singing it? And, uh, I was like, all right. And I, I love that song. And Cole kept texting me and calling me like, man, you need to start putting out your own music. And, and then, um, you know, Kenny Chesney, actually, uh, after that, our song rang the bell and it did the thing. Um, he hooked me up with his management company and was like, y'all need to work with this kid. Like, he's sending me great songs. I love his voice. And uh, so Kenny's management signed me and um, it was kind of off to the races from there. And uh, yeah, it kind of started with those two guys. You know, the Kenny song met, led me to Cole and the Kenny song got me my my publishing or my my management deal and inevitably my record deal. So uh shout out to those two guys they're listening
0: yeah that's amazing what was that first song that you guys had wrote together and and you just they you know you got the validation to take it
2: yeah i think it was called uh body heart and mind um okay. which is, it was a favorite of cole and his camps uh hopefully the the world will hear that song one day but it's uh it was definitely that first song that kind of got people's heads turned uh just with my my voice on it
0: oh but you never put it out
2: never put it out nope
0: huh what, what, is there a reason behind that it's just
2: no you know I, I think cole's been flirting with it for uh recording it himself for a while
0: ah, but, okay yeah
2: you know, we've, we've gone back and forth about it in uh in a positive way like who's gonna be the guy that it's definitely a song that uh it, one day will come out whether it's him or i
0: okay that's cool um and then yeah. so you start at that moment are you you get like the record deal and all those things kind of happen after the fact but like Were you, once you decided, okay, like this is a great validation, I want to do the artist thing again, like are you still writing for other people at that time? Or like are you shifting completely to your own thing?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, the only shift that kind of happened for me was just write great songs instead of thinking in my head, like would Dustin Lynch record this, would Cole record this? I think that I, and, I, I just kind of started writing great songs and, you know, especially when I was writing with, you know, guys like Cole and Jordan and, and even Kenny and, uh, and other artists, you know, I, it's one of those things where we just were trying to write a great song and Hey, Kenny, James and Cole, if you guys record this sick, if not, and I love the song, I'll record it. So, and, and then if I don't record it, hopefully somebody else will record it. So it's, uh, it's kind of like we got like six backup plans when we're in the writing. <laughs> Uh, it's just a lot more freeing creatively. We can just kind of write whatever we want, whatever's on our hearts that day, and not really worry about the vessel that's going to get it to the, to the fans and um, to the Spotify's and Apple Musics and stuff. So we're <laughs> we're having fun just writing songs and seeing what happens.
0: That's awesome. You put an EP out last year, is that what I saw? Yeah. All right, yes,
2: yeah, sir. Uh, He's out, and yeah, been putting songs out, and about to put some more out.
0: Yeah, he put a but he had a big record in the beginning of the year with my future. I mean, that one has like two million plays on Spotify.
2: Yeah, that was definitely a uh, a shocker. Yeah, it was one of the first songs that like blew up on TikTok. That it was just my song, and uh, yeah, definitely was uh, a big door opener uh, to a lot of cool things. And yeah, yeah, what was hard- that
0: like? Did you just throw it up on there, like uh, you playing in front of your phone or something? Like, how did it begin? Yeah, I was,
2: I was supposed to. Yeah, I was supposed to put other songs out, and then. uh I posted that song once and it was just like, Oh Lord. Um, and talked to management, like what is happening? So uh, we just expedited it. And uh, yeah, just, I, I mean, I, I pretty much just put the demo out and, um, you know, I was self-producing trying to save money and uh, just dropped it as fast as I could. And uh, yeah, it's been a bit a game changer for me. That's
0: amazing. And you recently put out uh, undermine is that that's the new, newest, record right
2: yeah the yeah. newest uh yeah it was kind of the the last song that we were planning on independently releasing and then um you know i signed a record deal and um we already had kind of had plans to put it out and uh and so they just they facilitated it and helped us get it out there and it's a uh, it's been a fun song to have out there and uh and kind of you know buys time for uh putting the the songs that we've been holding back for bigger distribution and uh just a bigger outlet for for songs that are even closer to my heart than the ones that uh i've put out so far
0: awesome so you have a batch of stuff ready to go it sounds
2: like yeah man i mean we uh we had a meeting yesterday and uh i'd say in the next couple weeks we'll be uh announcing uh, a release date for uh the first song that we feel like it's gonna really be the the trampoline uh Taking me up uh another notch and yeah, I've got seven songs completely done that'll be coming out between uh now and the end of the year. So it's exciting.
0: That is exciting. And are you still riding with uh the same people? I mean Cole and, and those guys. Okay.
2: Absolutely. Yep. Uh so so riding with those guys, actually touring with Cole and Jordan uh Davis in the in the fall. So uh gonna do a lot of riding, uh attempting to play golf. Uh, I say attempting for me because I'm not great at it, but uh yeah. <laughs> It's gonna it's it's gonna be a good time, and it's just again, it's it's a lot more fun to be be creative these days.
0: I love it, man. I played golf for the first time in like twenty years last weekend. When my dad came to town. Nice. Man, it, I, I'm yeah. I was better than I thought I would be, but that that sport is difficult, but it's a lot of fun. I want to get back it's out. Definitely
2: there. not riding a bike. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent.
0: Um. Well, thank you so much, Granley, for doing this, man. I appreciate your time today.
2: Well, man, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for the support, and uh, excited to get y'all the new music. It's gonna be fun.
0: Awesome. I have one more question. You answered it earlier, but uh, I'm gonna ask it again. Uh, if you have any advice for aspiring artists?
2: Yeah, um, you know, it's uh, it's like I said earlier. I think that hear the word no and be okay with it, and you know, take take more pride in the work that you do on the, on the defense, because I think that. Everybody hears yes, especially in a, in a time like now, you know, we're talking about TikTok and we're talking about this validation that you can get from just recording a song in front of your phone. Um, but I think that that's that's dangerous sometimes because you don't really learn a lot from people telling you you're great. That, that feels more like validating. And um, I think the thing that every great songwriter and every great creator, I think every great athlete and actor, anybody in the entertainment industry or really any industry learns from criticism and constructive criticism and um uh, just be hard on yourself and fix what you're doing wrong and i promise you you'll get to doing stuff right by uh, by fixing those things so i would say that's my that's my biggest advice